The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation. Here's your host, Simon Powell. One of the big ingredients for business success is other people's money. Who are these other people and what motivates them? There are kind of stereotypes from the Silicon Valley style VCs that unseat founders in a Machiavellian through to the dragon's den approach of omnipotent geniuses bidding to lend their capital and reputations for a big slice of the future pie. Somewhere in the middle is the angel investor, a bit of the smaller scale, earlier stage kind of thing. And to find out what that actually looks like in New Zealand, Suze Reynolds, Executive Director of the Angel Association, joins us today. G'day, Suze. Thanks for coming in. Good morning. Hey, so um, first up, like, what is an angel investor? Is that a, a fair kind of description? Uh, yes, it, although it is one we often struggle with because it does have sort of connotations um, that might not be entirely appropriate. We at times you get sort of, you know, is this something to do with the church? Mm, not so much. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your the classic description of an angel investor is someone who is uh, deploying their own personal capital into early stage, high growth companies, and but it is kind of used more broadly. Um, sometimes you see it in the media to early stage funds um, and and anyone else or any other entity that's putting money in early. But in actual fact, the really classic sense is that individual person who's writing their own personal checks to put into startup companies. And like, who is an angel investor? Like, what, what kind of person is it? Is it one step more kind of organised and professional than a friends and family investment? Or is it someone that's been there, done that? Or what's the kind of profile? Oh, and that's this is part of the joy of the space, which, you know, to be honest, it still scares the pants off me. I'm a bit inclined to refer to myself as a used diplomat. I worked in foreign affairs for two, 10 years, rather. And, um, <laughs> and so, it, you know, coming into this early stage sort of venture capital space, um, trying to kind of cookie cutter this, you know, angels or deals or anything, which we're all frantically trying to do because everything is so different. Every deal is different. Every angel is different. So yes, in that sense, every angel is different. We have everybody from property investors to um, the chief uh, surgeon for the defense force through to people who have um, started their own companies um, and made lots of money from selling that company uh, through to people who've had big corporate careers, investment bankers, um, and and use diplomats. So there's the Angel HQ, who's the network in Wellington mm-hmm. that you're part of and started, um, and then the Angel Association, which is kind of an umbrella above, is it? That's right. So Angel Association is the sort of industry representative body. We see ourselves as the champions of early stage investment. Um, 
you know, I often say that in the same way it takes a village to raise uh, a child, it takes a whole country to raise a startup, and that's everybody from professional service providers through to the government, through to big corporates, and us as individual angels. Um, and so the Angel Association these days is made up of about 28 members, um, about 10 clubs up and down the country, from Dunedin through to Auckland. Nothing in Wangarei yet. If anybody's listening in Wangarei, we're, we're keen and really would love to help you start something there. Um, and then there are about half a dozen early stage funds, so Stephen Tindall's K1W1, Pacific Channel, Cure Kids Ventures, those kind of guys are also part of our network. The crowdfunding platforms, Pledge, uh, not Pledge, uh, Equitize and Snowball Effect are also members of the association because they're also dealing with those startup early stage companies. So, um, And then in that sort of umbrella industry role, we do all your classic industry representative kind of gigs like raise, organising events, lobbying government um, and providing professional development, which is all good fun. Yeah. So, so it's like you can jump on the website and there are guides of how to get involved. There's yes. like people you can go and talk to. Absolutely. Although our website, you know, um, is like in, within a whisker of being revamped yeah. to be far more intuitive and, and um, make me more proud of it in some ways. So, yeah, no, but it's all there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and how does one get like invited to a club? Is it like um, a club with ivy on the walls where <laughs> you get blackballed and you have to know someone from your private school? Or no, how do you get oh my in gosh, there? no. I mean, as I've suggested, every angel is different. And, and as you might have been able to perhaps detect even a little bit from me so far, um, we tend to be fairly kind of um, extrovert, uh, pretty overexcited about things, eternal optimists, um, lots of kind of give back going on. It's not just about the return. And as you say, we might get into that a little bit soon mm -hmm. too. But um, no, and it, but it is because trust is such a fundamental tenet of doing this gig well, um, there is an element of member get member. So um, and and when somebody comes to us kind of cold calling, as it were, then we we work kind really hard to make sure they're onboarded and that somebody's on their wing because knowing each other well, getting in this gig for five to ten years as you see the company through to a liquidity event, um, you have to know each other pretty well. There are some tough moments. Uh, so, yeah, that's an important aspect of it. Yeah. Right. Let's look at how it works. So, you know, um, you just said that there could be a five to ten year to liquidity. Mm. Like, what are the nuts and bolts of being an angel investor? Um, you, you invest in... One company, you invest in lots of companies. Yeah, you yeah. people come to you like. Uh, Absolutely. Is is it like a Dragon's Den event? How does it all go? Uh, yeah, um, it's not really like a Dragon's Den event at all, at all. Um, and probably I didn't even need to say that, yeah. but um, <laughs> there is an element of that. You know that some of those characteristics of them. You know, I'm really passionate about the fact that it's not just about the money. In fact, you know, if it was just about the money, we'd probably have more crashing and burnings than, you know, than ever. Um, but it is about bringing your smarts and your experience and your networks to these ventures. That's what, where we really add value. Um, and so in that sense, it's, um, you know, an angel investor um, needs to have a sort of a resilient faith that this is worth doing um, because uh, on a deal-by-deal -deal basis, it's more likely to, you're more likely to lose your money than not. So I'm really almost got overboard and you'd think almost put, trying to put people off before they come in because getting involved with these companies, you know, we often talk about it being a little bit like a marriage. You'd go through some tough times. You have to know what each other are like when you get cross with each other or when you're sad and grumpy or when things you're running out of energy for these gigs because it can be pretty 24-7 trying to get them off mm -hmm. the ground. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that gives you a little bit of a flavour of yeah, you know, what it's like to be an angel investor. So, like, so like, what's the... Um, in 
America, like mm. the VC kind of, uh, you know, if you listen to your Anderson Horowitz kind of podcasts and stuff, yeah. they've got the rule of uh, nine. So, you know, oh. if you get 10 investments, yeah. nine will go out the door and yeah. one will pay for all the rest. Yeah. What's it like across a portfolio for an angel investor? And again, is that sort of gnarly business of trying to cookie cutter it. I've, I've been saying recently that 20 is the new 10. But in fact, it's almost the more companies you have in the portfolio, the more you improve your odds of getting a decent return. Um, and in fact, they say getting to about 50 guarantee, you know, is as close as you can get to guaranteeing yourself an IRR of greater than 10%. What's an IRR? Uh, internal rate of return. Okay, yeah. right, right. Better, oh, greater um, than 1%. So that's 10%, like, oh, 2%. Greater, okay, so 10%, you get your money back and you mm. get 10% on top of it. Yeah. So how many deals do you have to have? So if you've yeah. got um, 20 deals, mm. how do you afford that? Like what's the size of a normal deal? Yeah, so um, angels come in all sorts of, I'm, I'm increasingly that it's less about their kind of wealth profile than it is about their personality profile. So it's around the appetite for risk. And um, in our club, people invest everything from $5,000 per deal uh, through to about fifteen dollars or $20,000 per deal. We've also got one Uber investor who's invested more than sort of $2 million across sort of 40, 50, 60 odd deals. We love him to bits, needless to say. He's our cornerstone investor in just about anything that comes to the club. Um, and a great guy, very smart guy as well. Um, so personally for me, I, I've set aside 200000 to play in the space. Um, and that sounds a little bit sort of diminishing say play because I take it very seriously um, and so I have um, you know a 5k into sort of 15 or 20 deals um, and then I save the remaining 100k for follow-on and and that's me I, I'm done um, and, and, then and I, so follow-on yeah. is if um, the original investment if one of them or a number of them are showing promise mm. you put more money in absolutely and that's kind of one of the sort of fundamental sort of tenets of success in the VC space is you follow on success you double down on the ones that are meeting milestones and going like little bought ones having said that there are always and will always be those kind of little tangents where companies are stalled but then go like crazy um, and there are plenty of stories that people can tell you of sort of the slow burn that took 10 15 years and then Nick minute was bought by Microsoft for you know <laughs> 250 million yeah and, and so if you need kind of um, 20 at least for it to be likely that you get a return on your uh, portfolio yeah. and as a passive investor and, yeah. and 50 to get a good return yeah H how do you build that up because I imagine you don't just go out and randomly give the first 20 no, 5k each you probably have to be a bit mindful and long term you do and, and that's also part of the joy of the space everybody brings their own perspective and skills um, my thing is I love sussing out the founder and and I've seen you know half a gazillion pitches in the last eight or nine ten years that I've been doing this um, so I'm, I'm heavily founder influenced it has to be a, a kick-ass idea as well something that's going to be disruptive and I like to have see some sort of proof that they've sussed out the market and that there are going to be, you know, the whole product market fit is a fundamental part of, of this. And that's what Angel Money is largely doing, is helping the founders to suss out that product market fit. And that, that's the role of the first seed round, and that's like the role actually of the first, yeah. pr prove you've got the product market exactly, fit. Exactly, exactly. That's really important. And there are all sorts of different ways of doing that. And sometimes it is still a little bit of the product fit more than the market. If it's a, you know, if it's a biotech or it's... Um, Opportunity, or if it's a piece of um, very flash manufacturing, a very cool piece of technical equipment, then you know there can be a little bit of angel money that will go into 
developing that product a bit more. Um, we had one guy come and talk to um, us about sort of six or seven years ago, a guy called um, Rob Adams, and he talked about the need to speak to 100 customers before you, you know, start going hard out into a market to sort of really understand. But to be honest, nothing beats selling it. And, mm. and you know, just bloody sell it is a real mantra. And even if it's a bit rough, it's, you know, the more feedback you're getting as early as you can about whether or not there are people who are willing to pay for what you've developed, the better. And so time is a big, I, mean, I guess there's a few big kind of factors here. Mm. One being like, luck and yeah. t- and timing yeah. and, and execution and one being amount of capital and mm. one also being uh, the time for the returns to start coming through. So yeah. tell me about this idea of there being multiple event horizons around creating oh, right. the environment where yeah. um, you can see whether the immediate returns have happened or those long-term returns of actually mm. building out people who can do this work. Great question. I think just before we sort of go into that too, the the other element of time is how much time you have as an investor to give to this, and it and it kind of it neatly goes into the next um, sort of three horizons that I think you're referring to. But um, as an angel investor, if you you can be super passive and just put your money in and say a little prayer and follow a bunch of investor directors who you rate and think are great, or you can have you know if you have a portfolio of twenty or thirty, there might be half a dozen that you're working really closely with, and even if you're not an investor director, you still have an opportunity to work through that investor director if you have questions or if you've found people that you think the company would love to be buttoned into. So there's a real continuum in terms of passive versus active. Uh, And then in terms of that three horizons thing, you know, as you're looking for in that first horizon for New Zealand, building, you know, a really robust and vibrant ecosystem, that first 10 years has been about getting the inputs cracking. And New Zealand can be very proud of the scale to which um, you know, we've got to. Um, we've got about seven or 800 uh, angel investors up and down the country. And, and they weren't there 10 years ago. They weren't there. When I started in this gig, um, I've got this very scruffy, tiny, yellow sticky that sits inside a folder, which um, I think on it, it says something like 165. So that was about the number of investors who were in the formal kind of angel setup in these networks up and down the club, uh, up and down the country rather, 10 years ago. Um, and so that's all about inputs, more angels, more deals, more money, um, and that, and so after that sort of ten-year kind of patch, and of course these are they're not sort of you know one after the other; they're often running in parallel. After that ten years, you're then starting to look for outputs, so export revenue, tax take, um, jobs, that sort of socio-economic thing, which is also a huge driver of why people play in this space. They're looking to create jobs for their kids, um, to grow their economy, to be working with inspirational and aspirational um, founders who are doing seriously cool stuff. And, and is that where we are now? The start of we're, that. The start of that. Exactly. Curve. Yeah. We're at about the start of that second horizon. The third horizon is where you're starting to see the real outcomes of that work. So um, investors are starting to um, get uh, increasingly see their low liquidity events. We know that angel investors, when they do, are lucky enough to have one of those. They put about 80% of that money that they make off those deals back into more startups because they just get addicted to the rush of trying to help these businesses to grow. So, so we've given it a bit of that wider context, like the people involved in angel investment are actually changing the nature of the economy away yeah. from just selling houses to each other, for example. <laughs> yes, please uh, God. Yep. But, and that takes time to kick in to get mm. the, the, the capability. What are the returns looking like after 10 years? And um, I guess in terms of like from, from the 10 years that you guys have been mm. operating, but also at the wider level. Um, I mean, certainly... Um 
for us at this early stage, we're still yet to kind of on a sort of national portfolio basis, if to the extent that you could even say there was such a thing, uh, we're still kind of hanging out a little for those really meaningful returns. Although my own network, Angel HQ, which I'm part of, we've been lucky enough to have two exits um, and particularly gratified by the fact that in the round, um, our network is kind of just in the black right. um, for all of our, we've put as, got as much money back out of the gig as we've put into it. Um, but... Yeah, we're yeah we're still and as an angel association, that's one of the things we're focusing hard out on is to help our, our investors understand what it means to manage a portfolio towards those returns. That means not only having you know little kind of really tactical things like at every board meeting you talk about where that liquidity event is going to come from and what work you've done to get there. Um, so in that sense, if you are an angel backed venture, you're not only building value for your customers, but you are building a product in your business to be acquired by another business. So what that value looks like for you as a business might be quite different from what your customers see you as adding value to them. It's, um, it's a slightly complex concept, but it's a really important one to grasp. Um, and so the other aspect of managing your portfolio is making sure that you liberate, a bit of a euphemism, capital and capability in terms of those ones that are not performing, that, that are not kicking on. Right, so cut, cut losses. Cut that. losses, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, in, you know, that's yeah. sometimes the kindest thing to do because you might find that you are no longer in alignment with that founder. That founder wants to create a lifestyle business, is perfectly happy where things are going, and or it's a business that's just never going to cane it. And so the, the, the kind of conversation to have is, look, guys, this is not working. You know, we thought it was going to, we've got to go find something else to do. You you do, I do. Uh, or it is that conversation where you're happy doing what you're doing, but I can't see this ever being a 30X. So I'm, you know, to use that horrible Dragon's Den phrase, I'm out. Yeah. Um, so you have to have those kind of grown up conversations about how that manifests itself too. And, and tell me about the NZVIF, the mm. New Zealand Venture Investment Fund. Yeah. There was a government packet of cash mm. that they matched with individuals doing this angel investment mm. and it's had some criticism over um, its uh, returns so far. Mm. Is that because people aren't looking at a long enough um, time period or has it not performed as well as people have maybe hoped? Uh, one of my, you know, the the, the clearest way of articulating this, and one thing I sort of feel like standing on the bottom of Queen Street and screaming about, is that NZVIF was never... Um, primarily set up to generate returns. It was set up to catalyse a venture capital market. And in that respect, um, particularly in our space, in the angel and seed fund space, it's done an absolutely brilliant job. Um, and I'm, I'm very open about the fact that our space wouldn't be nearly as professional, as robust, as well-connected as it is today without without the seed co-investment fund. The, um, and the venture side of things, which is, you know, tradition, if you follow that kind of trajectory, it's friends and family, then it's angel funding, and then it's VC, and then it's PE. Well, it, it, I don't know, there must be one in a thousand companies that follows that path um, in a true sense. Uh, the venture capital space is, is a harder one, and, and there are all sorts of very complex reasons why um, that hasn't uh, kicked on to the extent that perhaps um, the original founders and the original aspiration for that was. But nobody's giving up on that yet. There are some, you know, NZVIF are still exploring what uh, the new kind of regime for that space will look like. And there are some very committed um, players in this space who are also wanting to collaborate tightly. Um, the NZVCA is working closely with that. Everybody's very passionate to see this go. Because as I say, it's if it was purely about the financial returns, we wouldn't be doing this. In fact, some people almost say this is a financially irrational thing to do. Um, but it is about the bigger picture and creating socio-economic um, impact and returns as well. 
But having said that, I don't want to undermine or un the fact that it has to be about those financial returns too. Yeah, yeah. Because if we're not staunchly focused on this, then there's nothing to give back. It, it's not you know it's not sustainable if we aren't. Um, so and particularly when you get to that next venture capital stage, they've got limited partners and others who are involved in putting money into those that they need to generate that return for too. And and certainly you know um, you know the really um, all the evidence is that those kind of big returns, anywhere from 15 to sort of 35%, are eminently possible. Um, there is always a little dollop of blind good luck in the space, but it also is about um, really bringing some really firm professional uh, disciplines to the space too, and we're lucky in New Zealand to have those connections and those kinds of people. Do you think that, I know it wasn't all measured on the returns, but do you mm. think having that really public, uh, not having returned a big amount of return on investment yeah. um, has uh, put back the sector at all, or is it like you know, having gone from uh, 150 mm. to 800 mm. active investors, maybe mm. we are yet to see the returns? Yeah, and you know, to go back to that um, discussion we were having earlier about three horizons, we're only 10 years in, and particularly, um, and it's oversimplifying again, I'm trying to cookie cutter something that can't be cookie cutted, but you know, the software and new media and SaaS kind of deals, they you know, they have a shorter horizon typically to, to returns, but the biotech life sciences, some of the clean tech stuff that we're doing, that time frame to a liquidity point can be, you know, fifteen to twenty years. It is something that you have to be seriously committed to. What does a good day look like as an angel oh, investor? What a great question. Um uh, you know, I guess I can only answer this personally. Uh, for me, a good day is, um, you know, I'm fundamentally in this because I believe that the more we trade uh, together, the less likely we are to kill each other. And so for me, in my diplomatic past, I worked on international trade agreements. And so for me, a really great day um, one of the best days I've had recently was um, at the launch of the Xeno Fund, which is um, a $2 million fund uh, which has been contributed to uh, by Chinese investor migrants, high net worth investor migrants. And those guys are totally committed to generating connections between founders, be they Chinese or Kiwi, who want to grow their um, market and grow their venture into China. Um, and they are great guys. They're in this... There's such a kind of cultural alignment between Chinese investors, uh, Maori and Tangata Whenua, and what angels are seeking to do. It goes beyond that financial return to kind of making the world a better place. And so those are great days for me. And I, I think the other thing I get a huge buzz out of is demo days um, and investment evenings, you know, watching the kinds of things that New Zealanders are doing and creating seriously cool stuff that I often say I wish we could be as proud of and aware of as New Zealanders of the success and awesomeness of our uh, IP, our research and our entrepreneurs as we are of the All Blacks because, you know, we are having that kind of impact on a global scale, some of our stuff that we're doing. I mean, the amount of capital we're talking about here, 100 kD, you know, mm. for a maybe typical early seed round, yeah. you know, it's half the deposit of one house. Oh, I know. And, and a house can never yeah. be productive in the economy, <laughs> but this could be the start of something, yeah. you know, phenomenal. And bank, banks aren't lending, so if people mm. aren't, the, the world's not going to change. And, mm. and you, you know, that's something where I guess it is, there's a, there is that element of, like you say, kind of almost a philanthropic kind yeah, of there approach. Is an, yeah, there is an element of that, but it has to be um, with that kind of, um, that underpinning of, yeah, we've got to make this work. And Marcel Van Den Assem, who I work 
with who's our chair, just the most amazing guy, he often talks about if you're adding value, the money will follow. If you just purely focus on making loads of money, and to be honest, it's a wee bit of a turnoff for most angels if they're um, you know, doing some due diligence on a founder and they say, no, I just want to make hundreds of millions. Yeah, you know, that's not speaking to my heart. That's not changing the world. And so, you know, that, that whole kind of what's your why thing, that's one of my favorite questions to ask a founder is why are you really doing this? What's in your bone marrow that makes you have to do this? Because um, those people are incredibly brave. Um, so, yeah, it's all about adding value. That's, that's the key thing. You're 10 years in now. What do you know now mm. that you wish you'd known earlier? Uh, what, do I, uh, what do I know now that I wish I'd known earlier? I, you know, I think probably I would have, if I was talking to myself 10 years ago, I would have said, hang in there. You know, this, that, um, you know, I sent you a document earlier that talks about resilient faith in this space. And so that's the key thing. And I think I would have said, don't be afraid of what you don't know. Uh, you know, I did feel like a used diplomat coming into this space. And what could somebody who's, you know, sort of in the common kind of um, impression of a diplomat fluffed about at cocktail parties, how can I possibly add some value? But it is, that's also one of the joys of this space, is that people are unbelievably generous with their um, time and their and what they know. Um, you know, angels will willingly give, you know, time to help um, other angels and founders. So um, ask questions. There's no such thing as a dumb question in the angel space. And so just as a, a couple of last thoughts, if someone's listening and they've got an idea that mm. they'd love to get angel investment into, mm. how do they contact a club and how do they get their idea in front of a club? So the the first thing you need to do, um, you'd like to perhaps like to do is just visit our um almost to be changed and look much flasher and zoomier website, um, which has a list of all our members. And I encourage you to approach them. Um, and when you approach them, be really clear about uh, what the business is that you're building and what the investment opportunity is that you're building and have an idea of how that's going to manifest itself in the next five to 10 years. That always makes the conversation um, much more relevant to, um, to an angel network. And if you're an investor, um, same gig, get along to our website, suss out where your local angel network is um, and, and come and see us, approach us. We're always yeah. looking for new investors. What, what do you need to get started as an investor? Because, you know, mm. uh, one level, only needing 5K to put into something seems mm. low, but mm. if you need 20 of those to get going, yeah. that's still 100K. So, yeah. and, and it has to be 100K that you are, you know, to be very open here, mm. very able to not get any return on and mm -hmm. not see anything back from for Absolutely. 10 years Absolutely. or else you shouldn't be doing it. Absolutely. No, good for you for raising that. It has to be, um, you know... As not I'm, that I'm giving investment advice. This no, is not an investment no, advice. No, oh my God, let's make that very <laughs> yeah, clear. Yeah, People, yeah, we're but, not but, giving yeah. any investment advice yeah. here. Um, no, you, uh, it has to be money that you can afford to lose, that's for sure. Um, and, and it is very illiquid, as you point out. So you can't be looking to get it back very quickly either. Um, and, uh, and you also have to be conscious about how you're going to build your portfolio and, and to have a bit of a portfolio strategy, you know, some ideas about those parameters. Are you going to be omnivorous and have a little bit of software and a little bit of biotech? And, and are you going to be looking at ventures that are, you know, um, going to require lots of capital or not so much capital? And where are you going to play in that space? And think about how long it's going to take you to build that portfolio. And don't rush. That would be yeah. the other thing, you know, try before you buy. Spend six months sussing out the kind of ventures that are, being put in front of angels and, see, and and talking to other angel investors to see if it's something that you want to do. And you don't you don't need the whole hundred k up front. 
No, no, absolutely no. not. No, no. Just And I do think, I think I said this at the beginning too, it's not so much about a financial profile, it's a personality profile and your appetite to risk. And I think a lot of angels are sort of like at both ends of the extreme. You know, they're, they've got a, they're very, they'll play with risk big time at one end, but then they're very careful and um, manage their wealth very sort of conservatively at the other end of the scale to sort of balance that out, I guess. It's all about portfolios, people, all about diversity. Uh, well, that's magical. Thank you so much for coming on to chat about the, the world of angels. Investment. Um, yep. So, so the best, just just as a final thought, the best thought to go out there is the um, the Angel Association website will be able to uh, point you to what's happening in your own neighbourhood. Yes. Uh, so, thank you very much for coming and chatting to us, Sue Reynolds. Pleasure. Lovely cool. to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you very much, Jose Barbosa, for producing. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you are a fan of the spin-off, jump on and check out their other podcasts, Gone by Lunchtime or The Real Pod. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.